there and welcome to episode three of Life from Vader's Castle. You're joined by both your hosts, Dan McQuarrie and John Lee. Hi, John. Hello there. How are you doing today? Uh, yeah, not too bad. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Excited to talk about some clones. Oh, yes. That's, that's going to be a deep dive into clones, the process, the backstory, the whole lot is going to be included in today's episode. Exactly. So this this episode is going to be an episode for people who know nothing about clones and for people who love clones. So we got we got you all covered here. Um, we're now two weeks out of Bad Batch. I saw on the um, day that we were recording this yesterday, they posted a little teaser saying we're two weeks out. So the hype is real. Mm. Yeah, as the days get closer and closer, I'm just getting more and more excited about what we're going to see in this uh, this new season from Star Wars. Yeah, I know. It's very exciting. I think it really does look like it's going to be like Clone Wars Season 8. <laughs> not, yeah, not, it does. not meaning that in a bad way at all, like in the best possible way. It's like continuing that story that we've mm. loved for so long. Anyway, so what we're going to do, we're going to get things started by just sort of giving a little bit of the lore and background to the clones um, for those who aren't aware of it. There's quite a lot of detail to do with the clones, their sort of their history, their backstory, who they are, um, how they fit into the Star Wars universe. So we're going to sort of go through all of that and then we're going to discuss some specific episode of Clone Wars that are sort of worth watching if you want to learn a lot about the clones. Um, and then we'll finish off discussing some of our favourite clones so that by the time you finish listening to this podcast, you're even more ready for the Bad Batch in two weeks. Even if you don't have time to binge all of Clone Wars, you've at least got that core knowledge you need for the Bad Batch. Yeah, don't worry about watching the Clone Wars. Just listen to our podcast and you'll be fine. Exactly. But then also watch the Clone Wars. This is great. (laughs) Of course. So we'll kick things off with sort of the backstory of why the clone clone army was created. Um, It's quite a a wobbly history. Um, The sort of origins came quite a a long time before the Republic first discovered about their existence. So in Attack of the Clones, um, whilst investigating Jango Fett, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi comes across Kamino, and in turn, the clone army that has been made for the Republic without the Republic or the Jedi knowing any of this. And when speaking to the Kaminoans, he's told that it was Jedi Master Sifo Diaz who had put in the order for the clone army. So this was obviously done in secret. Now, the backstory that we've got for Sifo Diaz, he was a, a young Jedi at the time that Count Dooku was a Jedi himself. They were both friends as Padawans and younglings but Sifo Diaz was gifted with foresight he was able to see visions of the future um but it was sort of soon realized that that was more of a curse for him and um and many times he'd see you know battles or awful things to happen and it sort of started to drive him quite mad um and you sort of learn a lot about his character in the Dooku Jedi Lost um which I've just read, really interesting. But him and Dooku were best friends, um, but he was always haunted by these these visions. So it turns out that Cypher Diaz had a, a vision, well, many visions of a, a massive war that was going to be the downfall of the Jedi and all this. So, he, you know, sort of in his, in his sort of, I don't want to say madness, but it was somewhat madness, decided to order this clone army. And um, Sidious caught wind of this happening and then used his new apprentice Count Dooku or Darth Tyrannus to um, sort of seize control of this secretly seize control of this clone army creation so they could use it for their own wicked ways which is what Order 66 became um, so yeah the, the clone army had been developing for 10 years by the time that Obi-Wan found it but it was all done in secret by a Jedi himself. But I think there's there's some hints in um, sort of Clone Wars episodes and stuff that perhaps Cypher Diaz sort of wasn't being manipulated by Dooku. Um, there's an episode where they sort of find 
um, Cypher Diaz's crash ship and Dooku comes to sort of make sure that the last little bit of information about him is sort of wiped away. And in, in that, Dooku says that, um, you know, Cypher Diaz was essentially working with him. How true that was, we don't really know. Sort of like there are gaps where we don't really know what was happening, but that's the most sort of information we've got. But um, it led to a army of millions and millions of clones being ready for them to fight in the Clone Wars, which took place just after the end of Attack of the Clones. Uh, yeah, uh, that is a brief introduction, I suppose, into the clones. I mean, and as we've been saying, if you want a real deep dive into these things, that episode of the Clone Wars is great to watch, and the book Damas talking about, great read. That will give you a really good insight into uh, the origin of the clones. So as we know from Attack of the Clones, uh, the clones were commissioned on Kamino by the Kaminoans. Um, and this is a race of beings who are very intelligent and they are pretty much the only ones across the Star Wars galaxy who have perfected cloning. And they have very why, long necks as well. <laughs> they do have very long necks. Um, so this is why Cypher Diaz went to them uh, in order to build the clone army. Um, and they are clones of a particular man. And this man is Django Fett, who you will recognize from all eras of Star Wars. Obviously, he's in the Clone Wars, but you'll recognize him in um, Attack of the Clones. And you'll recognize him in the later works of Boba Fett as well, as these are all clones. So they look identical to each other. Yeah, exactly. Boba Fett is not his his direct son. It's just a, a clone that he's claimed as his son. Mm-hmm. And in, interesting enough, I'll just I'll just chime in here. Um, in a, a a comic, a Django Fett comic, um, it was it was Dooku who approached Django Fett to be the um, the first. I don't, I don't, there's there's a word for it, the, the clone, the thing that they were going to clone. He was donor. approached the, by um, the donor. Yeah. yeah, the donor. Yeah, um, he was approached, and he sort of said he'll do it on one condition. And it never sort of explicitly said what that one condition was, but it's implied that that one condition would be that he'd get a son. It was a perfect copy of him that he could use to continue his legacy and train him to be the most feared bounty hunter in the galaxy as he was, but continue that legacy on. So Jango Fett did sort of get involved for selfish reasons and also the fact that they paid him an extortionate amount of money. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. As you just listened to what Dan said there, he said that obviously it took 10 years between Cypher Diaz going and purchasing the clone order to then them being ready and willing to fight in uh, the attack of the clones. And obviously the Jedi weren't going into war with children. So basically the the Kaminoans had, uh, although they used Jango Fett as the base for their clone, they made a few altered changes in order to make them one, better soldiers, so they basically um, made them more docile and recipient to orders because while Django Fett was a perfect specimen for an army, he was a bit more volatile than I think the uh, Kalanoans wanted and the Jedi would have wanted in their army. So they made those changes and then they also included rapid aging, so they age at double the speed of a normal person. So while it only took 10 years, um, there's only 10 years between them being started and being finished by Attack of the Clones, they're actually like physically about 20. And then obviously uh, throughout the Star Wars stories, this uh, continues. So um, in Rebels, you have uh, characters such as Rex and stuff who really should be in their prime, about 30, 25, 30. They are have the physical appearance of like much older men of like 50, 60. Yeah. Yeah. Which obviously they needed that rapid aging because, you know, if you're growing an, an army from, you know, from scratch, you need them to be ready in time. So it's their way of sort of having these batches of the phase one batch and the phase two batches of clones ready in time for this war, which they didn't know when was going to happen. So they timed it pretty well. <laughs> Yes. As you see in um, 
in Attack of the Clones, you have the first batch who are ready to go and fight by the end of the film. But then as Obi-Wan's walking through the uh, cloning facility, he, you know, there's, there's other younglings there who have just been um, developed, if you will, uh, and they're still going through their training. And then obviously as the Clone Wars continues, there's obviously new clones constantly being produced and they're always going through training. So, yeah, while they didn't know when they were going to need it, I think they did time it pretty well and they already had the, the, uh, the spares ready for the next fight. <laughs> spares. <laughs> All clones getting treated as <laughs> disposables, <laughs> which is obviously a very big theme of the Clone Wars TV show, is mm. how, you know, these people who have been cloned and used as soldiers only are, you know, themselves people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we have Jango Fett, we just discussed, who was the donor and the DNA base for all their clones. But as well as the person, the clone army's equipment um, and suits and things are all very loosely based off Jango Fett's Mandalorian armor. Obviously, the Mandalorians um, are one of the most feared warrior races in the galaxy. You know, you have characters such as Jango Fett, Boba Fett, and more recently we have uh, Din Djarin in The Mandalorian. Uh, this goes to give you a bit of a background on how fearsome and uh, impressive they are as a race. So when they're designing the clone trooper armor, they chose a very similar pattern and design for the armor. The helmet is the same. It's got the same like triangle-shaped um, visor. And just the outlook is basically very similar in order to, I suppose, instill that same image of uh, fearsome warriors across the galaxy in their army. Yeah. Yeah, it does sort of have that, you know, that fierce warrior look that they're going for with the clones. They sort of all all sort of have that look. And then obviously that leads on to sort of be inspiration for the Stormtrooper armor. Sort of the helmets become a bit more round, but that sort of, that original design, which has gone from Jango Fett to clone to Stormtrooper, sort of runs through the whole, sort of is a thread that connects all those pieces of armour, which is quite cool. Yes. So originally, in the, when you first see the clones in Attack of the Clones, they're wearing a Phase 1 set of armour, which is just a, obviously the first lot that they're given. Um, and they provide you know, basic protection of things so like reduces exposure from space gases uh melee damage um some protection against blaster bolts but not a lot <laughs> if you watch the show there's a lot of clones that get shot yeah, you've seen um, you've seen some clones can tank a couple shots if it hits in the right yeah. place of the armor but not a lot of them yeah. survive <laughs> no yeah if you get glancing blows off the shoulder or like the hip or something you might be able to take tank a few shots but one straight down the middle of your arm and it's not doing much to protect you there yeah exactly um, but then the the armor sort of over time was very much um designed colored adjusted for different roles sort of within mm-hmm. the clone army um and we'll sort of go into more detail about some of the different types of clones in a bit. But the armor, you know, was quite often personalized by each clone um, or even their own physical appearance. You know, they'd shave their head in a certain way or they'd put tattoos in a certain place um, to sort of make themselves stand out. Um, yeah, and then obviously you'd have different regiments in the uh, Clone Wars depending on what... Um, Jedi they were serving under. Yeah, so it was, yeah, it was, it was yeah. normally just based on the. Um, it was a it was a battalion was served under yeah. one Jedi general. Yeah, so like Anakin's battalion, the Five First, had a different armor like colorings and things to the uh, two hundred twelve, which was Obi Wan's. Like, Anakin's had a, had a blue coloring to some of the markings, while Obi Wan's was orange. This is basically just help the clones have a bit more of an identity, I suppose. I suppose in the battalion, they're all wearing the same stuff, but then even the individual clones designed their, you know, painted their armor slightly different. Yeah. Um, yeah. They all tried to have their own identity, which is obviously, you know, natural of them to want that. And I think that was something that certainly you don't get as much from, from the films until you get into the Clone Wars TV show and you realize how, 
personal the story of each clone is um and well heartbreaking at times <laughs> yeah so i think especially in the clone wars i think what they did with the armor and moving from phase one to phase two was really try and get that point across about how different they are from the droid army of the separatists because obviously all yeah. the droids pretty much look exactly the same apart from like you might have ones that are camo if they're going to go fight with Felucia or something but yeah the, the droids all look the same while in the clones they had the um their own style their own in, individual look yeah uh, which i think yeah, was a big big point in the clone War. yeah i mean as you said the droid army had your b1s who practically all look the same your b2s that all obviously look chunkier than the B1s, but they all looked the same. And then your droidicas and your, you know, your commando droids and that, you know, even though, as John said, sometimes they had a little bit of paint work if they were going in different sort of um, environments. They practically were, you know, just a mass of metal as opposed to the clones who really tried to take their own identities on. Yeah, I think we'll probably talk about that a bit more when we talk about the Clone Wars because, as I said, that really, I think, fleshes out the the individual nature of the clones and I think that the show really brings that to the forefront. So we'll go into more detail there when we talk about the show because um, the examples we give will spoil our top five lists, I think, if I was to talk about it too much now. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's that's the reason why it is such a worthwhile watch and my Bad Batch is exciting because it shows a completely different side to the clone army than you got from the films. You know, they really just were just a faceless army in the films. And when you see the shows, you actually get to see these individual clones, these people and all their own stories develop. Yeah. So uh, as Dan was alluding to earlier, there's the clone army, I suppose like any army has different, um, ranks and different um clones who do certain tasks so obviously i think one of the most famous or most recognizable ones is the arc troopers um and this is the advanced recon commandos and these are characters such as if you watch clone wars like rex or eventually fives um echo as well yeah yeah echo uh, these are basically um specialist uh, troopers and these are like the, the top tier ones. I suppose the easiest way to uh, reflect it to the modern, <laughs> the real world is probably like the SAS. So like these are the boys you send in when you want a specific task done a specific yeah. way. Yeah, and um, they were they were introduced originally in the Cartoon Network Clone Wars, like the OG Clone Wars show. I think there was an episode called Art Troopers, and they were shown to be using like sort of dual pistols as opposed to the um sort of like the standard blasters um mm-hmm. they were like leaders so they'd like lead a small group um very tactical um specialized so yeah the arc troopers are sort of the, the special service there you go the the marines the the, the, the top mm-hmm. class of the um yeah. of the army the, the top boys yeah um, and then i mean from then onwards you just you know you go into all sorts of different specialized units, said your your off troopers, which are advanced recon force troopers, and they're the they're the cavalry, they're the ones that ride the little sort of mini chicken walkers, <laughs> um yeah. the ATRTs. Um and so they're used for scouting and for battle. You've got your bark troopers, who are sort of specialized arc troopers, but they're trained to pilot the speeder bikes. You've got obviously your pilots your jet troopers with jetpacks. Um, you have the shock troopers, which are the the Coruscant guards. So they're um, they're recognisable by their red armour markings, and they're specifically used to protect the Chancellor and Senators back on Coruscant. And then another example, you know, is the ordin- ordnance troopers, who I think are shown by having orange armour, or I don't just know. I don't know if the example that I've got, I've got an, a Clone Wars character encyclopedia in front of me here. I don't know if the example I've been given is just happens to be wearing orange or if they all wear orange. But um, there's a there's an episode in um, season one, I think, with the Blue Shadow virus, and there's these bombs that need diffusing, and it's ordnance troopers are specialised in bomb, bomb diffusing. Um, so as you see, sort of even with you know, the clones being 
bred for a very general purpose. They're trained for very specific jobs in the same way that a normal army would function. You know, you'd have your your rifles, but then you'd have your engineers, you'd have your signalers, et cetera, et cetera. So the clones sort of do follow that format as well. Mm. Yeah. And then obviously in a couple of episodes of the Clone Wars, there's extra ones, but like it branches off to extra things. You've got like uh, officers, like guards, etc. There's so many. I think, I think in a couple of episodes, it's even alluded to the fact that um, certain troopers like these are the areas they want to go into. They're not specifically like, okay, you need to be this, you need to be that. I'm pretty sure they're, they're areas where they can choose what they want to specify in. Yeah, uh, I know specifically with the ARC troopers, uh, there's, there's a lot of conversations between some of the uh, clones about they want to make it to ARC trooper status. You know, it's not just something you're you're given um, straight away. I know originally it was. The first batch, I think, were like the first lot of art troopers because um, they were meant to be like the best. But then as the clones, as a war went on, you know, there was room for uh, promotions, I suppose. And the clones yeah. strove to do that, which I think is, again, another important factor in their um, yeah. individualism. Yeah, that, yeah, you're right there, art trooper. You either became an art trooper because you were specially chosen you know, sort of from your early days of training as a, an exceptionally good clone. Um, you know, if your reflexes are really good, just, you know, intelligent strategy, or you gained a promotion for acts of bravery or acts of, you know, great intelligence or strength. Um, so obviously Rex, we're pretty sure, I don't think there's official confirmation, but pretty sure Rex was chosen as an ARC trooper from, like, from training from its very beginning but then you have echo and fives who were promoted to arc troopers because of their you know success on um various missions yeah uh i guess that that leads us on to i think one of the most tragic things about the clones uh and this is order 66 exactly yeah you'll be familiar with if um you've seen revenge of the sith i think it's not it's not particularly obvious about what's going on if you just watch the, the three films. I feel like, again, this is something that needs um, the Clone Wars to really uh, explain and get yeah. a deeper understanding of. It was definitely something I was confused about before I'd watched the Clone Wars, is why these clones who had, you know, fought alongside the Jedi all this time just, you know, suddenly turned on them because of one order from a guy in a, in a, in a cloak. Um, but what the the Clone Wars really gets into is how when Sidious became involved in the cloning process secretly, you know, that puppet master, he made sure each clone had an inhibitor chip placed inside them. Um, and, the, you know, these chips were sold, you know, the, the, the Jedi found out about these inhibitor chips, but, you know, the Kaminoans told them that they were just there to sort of make them more docile, make them, as John was saying, less like Django Fett and more like soldiers that follow orders. Um, but inside those inhibitor chips was this programming um, that when they hear, you know, the command to execute Order 66, that they would turn and murder the nearest Jedi to them. And even the the very best and most loyal clones still would do that because it was just in their genetic programming. It wasn't something they could stop themselves from doing unless that chip was removed from their, from their head. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty was... dark and sadistic thing to do, <laughs> but that's yeah. serious for you. <laughs> I think, I think that's really interesting with it as well is, um, especially when you deep dive into like some of the extended information you have about it. Um, like there's one I really interesting. I think, I think it's in, Star Wars Battlefront 2 like the original one I think it's like a voice clip from there which I always found really interesting about Order 66 um, and it was from a clone called Bly I think his name is um, and he was the one who killed oh, what was that Jedi's name the one on Felucia the yeah, um, Ayla Secura Ayla Secura yes it's when him and all of his and his clone battalion once they got the order of 66, he is talking about it in this voice note on the game. And basically what he's saying is, is one, they couldn't look her in the eye 
when he was so he was glad that they shot her in the back because they couldn't even though in their minds she had betrayed the um republic which is basically what order 66 did to them it made them believe that all the jedi were traitors to the republic um they still couldn't bear to look her in the eye because of how much they meant she meant to them and if you watch the film, which I remember watching the film for the first time, I thought it was a bit overkill is they shoot her in the back and she goes, she um, falls to the ground and they all keep shooting her. Like just while she's on the floor. Yeah. yeah. She gets the t- done dirty. Then. <laughs> yeah. At the time I'm thinking, all right, I think you got her. Um, but this voice note again, uh, expands on that and basically explains that they wanted her to die as quickly as possible because they didn't want her to suffer because of just how close they, the bond right. they had. Um, I don't know that. Just, it makes it 10 times more yeah. emotional. I hope that's yeah. canon. I hope, I hope that that is just treated as, even that's Powerfront 2, so it's pre-2014. I hope that's treated as canon, because I like that fact. Yeah, I think it goes really, it shows really well um, the emotional side of Order 66 for the clones. Because I know they flesh it out quite well in um, the Clone Wars and in Rebels. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, you know, this is just a big spoiler warning if you haven't watched the last four episodes of season seven of the Clone Wars. Um, but you know, when a, when Rex turns on Ahsoka, you can almost see in his face that he knows what he's doing is wrong, but he can't stop himself. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think that makes it very interesting. I think, especially where they've what they do to expand the clones' story with the Jedi in the Clone Wars, which again, we'll get into uh, in a minute. But I think once you get that and go back and watch Revenge of the Sith, it makes it 10 times more emotional and you get a much deeper understanding of just how evil a plan it was from Darth Sidious. Yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a completely wicked and evil plan, but it was also a genius plan because, you know, the whole plan was about, you know, making the Jedi change who they are fundamentally you know from peacekeepers to warriors and then having that view across the galaxy used as the way to convince everyone that they're traitors now it's really ingenious when you think about it but wickedly wickedly evil yeah um but yeah i mean order 66 that you know and then anakin's subsequent massacre of all the separatist leaders that brought the end to the clone wars um lasted three years um and obviously there were many, many battles across the, the core worlds, the mid rim, the outer rim, um, you know, Obi-Wan, Anakin, Ahsoka fought in many, many battles. So did a lot of the clones who survived for a long time throughout. Um, but then after the clone was, you know, the, the clones were initially in the wake of, uh, Order 66 continued to be the backbone of the Republic Army, but the Republic Army obviously became the Imperial Army when Palpatine reorganised to the Great Galactic Empire. Um, so they sort of went on to serve as like Royal Guards, etc., etc. But over time, because of the rapid aging, um, they clones were slowly phased out and... Um, replaced with naturally born recruits who were um, enticed by all the Imperial propaganda. So your stormtrooper army, by the time you get to the galactic civil war, um, you've got very few clones left because most of them are probably aged beyond fighting age. Um, But yeah, they were, I mean, I think bad batch were probably going to learn more of the specifics of what really happened to the clones after order 66, because we know roughly, as I just said, but we don't know the full details. So I think, Bad Batch is going to cover a lot of these details that we don't know yet. Um, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much a fairly detailed-ish, you know, backstory, lore, history of the clones. I was never that interested in them until I watched the Clone Wars, and then they fast became some of my favourite characters. Um, And they do have such an interesting backstory. So it's... um, it's probably a good time to to move on and start talking about the Clone Wars then. Yes, I think this is where we're going to get the most interesting discussions, I think, about great clones, great story arcs. I think just about how um, the writers on the Clone Wars really 
spent time and effort making sure that the clones were interesting characters and not just plot devices for the yeah. war. So yeah. I think it's very impressive from them. And um, I think Clone Wars was a huge TV show focused on so many different, you know, characters, factions, ideas. Um, but there were quite a lot of episodes that were really focused on clones, whether it was an individual clone, whether it was a small group of clones, whether it was the very questions of being a clone itself. Um, the show had a lot of specific episodes about that. Um, so what we've done is we've just compiled a little list of the essential Clone Wars episodes for clones. So if you're wanting to learn more about clones, you're wanting to appreciate clones the same way that me and John appreciate clones, these episodes that we've got, if you watch them, you'll uh, you'll instantly be a big clone stan. <laughs> well, yeah, I hope so. I think, I think if you don't enjoy the clones after some of the episodes I've put, then uh, it's no help for you. So what we'll do is you read out the episodes you've got because I've done I've done quite a massive list. So if you read out the episodes you've got, and then I will fill in the gaps with a couple of the extra ones I probably have written down. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so I've done a like just a quick top five of the ones that I think are the most important to uh, the clones' stories and development, uh, which is Carnage of Krell which is in season two, episode 10. And that is the end of a, I think four, three, four episode clone arc, um, which is very good, which I'm sure we'll discuss in more detail in a second. Um, yeah, I was just going to say that's season four, not season two. Oh, I don't know where I got season two from. Anyway, uh, Rising Malevolent, Malevolence, if I can pronounce my words, is that's season one. And that is, that is definitely season one. That is episode two. Um, and that is a, a great arc, a great story with clones and uh, Plo Koon. I think, again, does a really good way of um, showing the individual nature of the clones and how the Jedi uh, perceive them. Yeah, um, I think that's a really great episode, that one. Mm. Um, that's on my list. I do think that really humanizes them. Um, and I'll just I'll just add in right here. I included season one, episode one as well, uh, which comes just before rising uh, rising malevolence, and it's called ambush. And it's an episode where Yoda and a group of clones sort of being hunted on a planet and um, by Ventress and some droids. And you really see in that episode like the way that Yoda views the clones and the way that the clones view themselves, and like they need to learn from Yoda that they're more than just sort of you know, expendable and each of them have a purpose. So I think that's a, another really good episode, season one, episode one, and then season one, episode two that John just mentioned. Yeah. yeah they were two very good openers actually to the whole theme of the Clone Wars, I think. Um, then I've got Victory and Death, which is season seven, episode 12, which is uh, the last episode of the Clone Wars, um, which uh, links in nicely with, Revenge of the Sith and Order 66 um, and really shows uh, how emotional that is for both the Jedi and the clones. I mean, you see that through the perspective of Ahsoka and Rex specifically, uh, as well as a couple other clones um, such as Jesse and uh, half of the 501st Battalion. Uh, yeah, the, the episode you were just talking about, Victory and Death, um, to be honest, I'd include that whole final Siege of Mandalore arc, um, which season seven, episode nine, 10, 11, and 12. Um, just because from episode nine, you get to see like the clones and their like loyalty to Ahsoka. That's sort of really a touching moment where they paint their helmets all the way through to how she deals with Order 66 and how, Order, how tragic Order 66 is for these clones who, you know, really look up to this Jedi that they then have to murder. Um, so I think that whole, that whole arc really is really worth watching. Definitely agree. Yeah. Um, next on my list, I've got rookies. Ah, which yes. Is, <laughs> which is a unbelievable, uh, um, episode in season one. Um, 
get to meet some fan favorite characters. Uh, you know, some, uh, yes, I think definitely we meet files in the episode who then is a fan favorite throughout many seasons of the Clone Wars. Um, and there's a couple more that are on my top five, which we'll come to back to later, but fantastic episode. Um, and yeah, I mean, you get to meet the whole of Domino Squad. Um, Domino Squad, that was their so name. Yeah, I was trying to think that earlier. Echo, Fives, Heavy. Um, Jesse, I think Jesse's there as well, was he? Yeah, yeah. Is it Echo, Fives, Jesse, Heavy? Obviously, Rex is there. Rex and Cody are both there. And then the one who dies straight away, I think, is it Odd, is it odd Job or Odd... Uh, droid something he's got a weird little name yeah um, job seems about right yeah. it's something like that it's it's not hard case it's it's something else um but yeah that's your first introduction to domino squad who are the absolute goats of <laughs> the clones yeah i think boys. rookies i think rookies is a top five episode of clone wars just in general mm. standalone yeah. episodes <laughs> so good and then when you pair it up to a later episode in season three, episode one, Clone Cadets, which is set before Rookies, which is when you meet, you know, Domino Squad as, you know, cadets in Camino training and them sort of learning to work together. Um, and then going from that to see them in Rookies. It's just, it's very sad. Very, very sad. RIP heavy. Yeah, good episode, sir. Um, and finally, well, I've got the episode Arc Troopers which is um, when the Separatists invade Camino. Yeah. And uh, that's season three, episode two. Yeah. Just follows on good. just after Clone Cadets, the one I just mentioned. Very good episode. Yeah. And that's the one where you meet um, Clone 99 or 99, mm. um, who's a really defected clone to the point that they don't use him as a, as a warrior. They just use him as a janitor, basically. Um, but he has a really special relationship with Domino Squad, <clears throat> and you know he's sort of a, a big sort of mentor to them in a weird way in Clone Cadets, and then spoiler alert, dies in Arc Troopers, and becomes the inspiration for Clone Force Nine Nine, who go on to be the Bad Batch. Um, so yeah, he's a go at the game. He is. I mean, he's he's a defective clone, but the man's got the heart of gold and. I think any clone who any clone would be lucky to be have the attitude and the determination of a uh, clone ninety nine, which I think uh Domino Squad really which is why they form such a close bond is because of how much ninety nine inspires them as a uh, as a group to go on yeah. and uh, pass their cadet status and go off and fight for the Republic. Yeah. Yeah. Is that is that all the ones you had written down? Yeah, that was my, that was my top five client episodes. Oh, uh, I'm going to just drop in the rest of the essential episodes, in my opinion. Um, so the only other ones that I had from season one was season one, episode 16, The Hidden Enemy, um, which was one of the, one of, chronologically, one of the first episodes of The Clone Wars. Um, and it's set at the Battle of Christophsis, which you see in The Clone Wars TV show. Uh, not TV show, movie. Um and this is there's a clone among the ranks who is given sensitive information to the separatists as a traitor, and um, Rex and Cody have to figure out who the traitor is. But there's some really interesting sort of conversations between clones and what they represent and all that stuff in that episode. So I think that's worth watching. And then Innocence of Ryloth, which is season one, episode twenty. This is actually one of my favourite episodes of the Clone Wars, um, where you've got you meet Waxer and Boyle. Um, two clones and they come across um, a Twi'lek girl who's been missing from her family and sort of one of them really wants to look after her and the other one's just like leave her and there's that whole sort of discussion between them but you really sort of see the heart and the the care that the clones have in that episode I think it's a really good one and Waxer and Boyle are really good characters so I think that one's worth a watch yeah, I agree. That's a great episode, which again, I think shows the difference between the clones and the droids and really fleshes out the fact that they are, you know, caring, living, breathing people as opposed to 
cold calculated drawings exactly yeah uh, the next one i had was just one episode from season two which was season two episode 10 the deserter um the deserters a great episode where I think General Grievous, something to do with General Grievous ends up on Salakumi um, and Rex. Sort of once, I think that they're hunting Grievous or something, but he comes across a, a deserter and he used to be a clone, but he's deserted and then set up a family and he's got a little ranch. He's basically a farmer. Um, and just the conversations between him and Rex about, you know, the purpose that they've been bred for and, you know, the whole life being decided for them. I think it's a really interesting episode. And there's also a really sort of good, it almost feels like a zombie movie at the end with the commando um, droids trying to break in and break into the ranch. So I think it's a really good episode. Yeah. Um, Again, I think it's a a very interesting episode because you can, uh, you could tell that story just in like a normal army film or something, but, yeah, exactly. So you can take you can take that and apply it to Star Wars characters. I think is again yeah. very interesting. I mean, Dave Filoni was very open about like when they made the Clone Wars. Him and George would sort of sit down, and George would be like, "Oh, that story from that movie or TV show, I really like that. Let's do our own version of it." So, you know, like the Zillow Beast was their own version of Godzilla, um, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of other examples which I can't remember off the top of my head um, but I mean this deserter episode was very clearly inspired by those sort of you know war films where you have that one deserter that they come across and make soldiers question what they're doing so I think that was a, a good one mm. um, I mean I agree with you the the whole I mean I just sort of included the whole Umbara arc the whole sort of darkness on Umbara which is season 4 episode 7 8, 9 and 10 um, mm-hmm. that specific episode that you mentioned is great but I think that whole arc is just clone centric and you know you have this Jedi Master Ponkrell who sees them as just cannon fodder that he can just throw into the open and let them die and then clones having to sort of deal with that and sort of question mm-hmm. that authority for the first time I think is a is an unbelievable arc it's one of my favourite arcs I think yeah, I think the character of Pong Crow is very interesting. Um, and personally, I think it's uh, the writers um, have, he's kind of like the embodiment of like the, the one of the directions the writers could have gone with with the clones. They could have wrote all yeah. the clones to be, you know, the same way that Pong Crow sees them. This is, you know, like he very specifically calls Rex by his clone number he doesn't he doesn't call any of the clones by their names because he doesn't think they need names because they're not people yeah um i think yeah the writers definitely wrote him in that way because that's uh they're acknowledging the fact that they, i think personally i think they're acknowledging the fact that they could have gone in that direction but they are showing how what well, they're showing off basically what they've done in comparison to um his interpretation of it yeah exactly yeah i agree and i think you know, in the original Star Wars films, obviously you don't get a huge amount of time um, because they're three films as opposed to TV show. But you don't get a huge amount of time with, you know, just the, the general rebels and the general stormtroopers. You don't really see the human aspect to either of those sides. Obviously in um, the Clone Wars, the other side is a droid army. So there isn't that human aspect to them, but there is a human aspect to the clones. And because they've got this whole TV show to explore the whole war, it'd be daft not to explore the soldiers. And they just do it so well on so many different um, occasions. And these episodes that we're sort of talking about here are probably the best examples of it. Mm, Definitely. Another another one, which is um, an interesting one, because this is part of a droid arc, which (laughs) most people skip. It's season five, episode twelve. It's called "Missing in Action," and it's this. It's, this is the one we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. This is George Lucas's favorite <laughs> arc of the Globals, um, where you've got a group of droids who end up on a planet and they're they're on a mission or whatever. Can't even remember what really happens, but I do remember this very specific part where they come across Gregor, um, and this is this is your first 
this is your first and only time meeting Gregor before he appears in Rebels as a much older clone. Um, but he's just working in this diner on another planet and he's sort of similar into the, the sort of the deserter episode. You know, he's fed up of being a clone, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you sort of see that that other aspect of being a clone, but then you also see the the heroism as well when he sort of rescues these droids um, and what you think is a sacrifice, but he ends up surviving. Um, but yeah, I think it's a worthwhile watch. It's a weird little episode because of the, the droids and that sort of thing, but it is a nice little showcase of a of a clone story. And if you're going to go on to Rebels, it means you meet Gregor in advance of that. Yeah, nice, nice. An interesting story, even with the uh, yeah, the droids. With the with the droids, yeah. if you're a droid fan or not. But yeah. <laughs> and then I think the, the final little arc that I put in there. Well, I say little. It's quite a big arc. Is orders um, from season six. It's episode one, two, three, and four. Um, and this was the story about Top, one of the clones, turning on his Jedi just sort of saying good soldiers must follow orders, good, so- uh, good soldiers follow orders. And Fives then going to investigate what's happened and him discovering the inhibitor chips and the whole conspiracy of Order 66 before, sadly, spoilers, Fives is killed to keep that information from getting into the Jedi. Mm. Um, that's such an emotional arc, I think, because you think... And you see, everyone's seen. By the time you're watching Clone Wars, you've probably seen Revenge of the Sith, so you know that no matter what Fives does, or you know what happens, he's he's not going to be he's not going to be uh, alive at the end to tell the information, basically. But it still doesn't uh, take away from the struggle that he is trying to get out and trying to be taken seriously. Because even at one point in the arc. Um, doesn't Palpatine literally just tells him exactly what it is um, yeah. in like a little 1v1 thing and like Fives goes nuts because he just can't believe it and any rubbish that he's spouting everyone just takes his he's lying or no one he's believes him he's gone crazy just, yeah. yeah he's a defective how, clone that. how mental it is yeah I think that's you know, it's one of the most sort of like one of those arcs where I just sat up and I was like, right, okay, they're doing this. And I just didn't really expect them to go to that sort of length on a kid's show, but it really is dark and um, really, really good and sort of contextualizes that question of like, how did people never find out about Order 66? Um, they, you know, some did, but they just didn't survive to tell the story. Um, so, yeah, I'd say those are all the essential. Clone Wars episodes if you're focusing on the clones some yeah, great stuff in there mm. um, I mean if you if you go past that and you go on to Rebels there's quite a few interesting episodes when some of the Rebels some of the clones come back in that TV show um, but that's a topic for another discussion so should we, um, should we round it off with a top 5 clones yeah I think that sounds like a, a good idea like, well, you go first. Let's hear your top five. I think, yeah, my most of my top five, I think, are going to be pretty universal just because I think these are the clones that get the most screen time or, like, the most story development. But here we go. So we're going to, obviously, top top clone is Rex. That means, of course, the clone with the most screen time, the clone with the most action, storytelling, uh, some terrific... I think some of my top favorite uh, clone arcs and just, I think arcs in general in the clone wars have Rex in there somewhere, either as a main character or like as the clone commander for the Jedi, et cetera, et cetera. Um, fantastic uh, character. Um, and then we've got fives. It's again, another staple of the clone wars TV show up until his tragic death in, uh, in the arc we just talked about. But yeah, we see him all the way from um, season one, Domino Squad, all the way up to his sad demise in season six, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, I think he's a very interesting character because, one, he was one of the ones who's he's worked his way up to Arc Trooper. He wasn't always a, 
an arc trooper. He a Domino he, Squad uh, OG. Yeah, he earned he earned the role of arc trooper. Um, and I think, well, like the arc we talked about just now, like the um, Darkness on Umbara arc, he was one of the clones who was adamant that Poncrell was, you know, wrong, and he was standing up for the clones while Rex was Rex was in a different difficult position where he had to follow orders because he was in charge. Yeah. And he had to try and play both sides while Fives was like, nope, this is wrong, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think it makes him a very local character. And I think yeah. it really fleshes out the clones and how much they all mean to each other. Yeah, another um, another member of Fiverr First Royalty. Yeah, definitely. Um, number three, we've got 99, who we discussed earlier. Um, he's in mm. top five for all those reasons. So I think, I think to be honest, without 99... Domino Squad would probably have failed their yeah. training. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, and then it goes to show that even if, you know, he wasn't fit for battle, to be honest, you know, he wasn't, he was nowhere near going to be off to fight the Separatists. But I think what he provided for the clones who were at their training and obviously when the Separatists attack, I think the man goes down in honour as one of the greatest clones of all time. He does. I didn't have him on my list, but I, I, I do. I've got a big, big load of respect for him. So I'm glad that you got him on there. Uh, next is, well, to be honest, this is a clone we don't see a lot of, but it's the implied um, backstory that I really find really interesting and really good. And uh, his name's Wolf. Um, he's got yeah. an E at the end. Yeah, so Wolf. I'm not going to pronounce it, but yeah, Wolf. And he's he he's under. Um, Plo Koon. He's like Plo Koon's like wolf pack. And one of the most interesting, I think, things I like about that is on all of their ships, they have like a little, um, I don't know, like graffiti mark of like, it's like a little anim- animated picture of like Plo Koon and then like the clones behind them. And that's on like all their ships, which I find really interesting and fascinating. Yeah, the wolf pack of the gang, to be fair, aren't they? Yeah. It's just, just, I think that implies that at one point there was a conversation between all the clones and that wolf pack, and they were like, should we, should we paint our ships with this? And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, go on. <laughs> I think it's just it's so brilliant. I think that, again, that shows relationship between the Jedi and the clones without actually having to say anything or show yeah. it. I think just having that bit of um, detail in there. Yeah, and obviously when you, see the other, story. when you see the other side of it as well with Plo Koon and his, you know, you're not expendable to me sort of lines that he has for his his clones um you do that relationship is very well established plus wolf is obviously wolf of wolf and gregor from the rebels as well so he is a, a clone that returns he is yeah, a veteran the man, veteran. the man makes it all the way from the clone wars all the way through to rebels he makes um, it all the way to the finale of rebels doesn't he yeah man you can't put him down um and number five we have a true legend of the game and that is heavy. On the heavy. I mean, the man went out in a blaze of glory for his <laughs> brothers. And you can't you can't take away from that sacrifice. So yeah. that's why he's made it into my top five. Another key member of Domino Squad. Yes, heavy is as as a when I started watching this show, like the first four episodes, I liked the first time around. I thought they were I liked him a bit on rewatch I love them more now like the malevolence arc and that sort of thing but on the first time when I wasn't quite into the clones yet I thought oh these episodes are alright and I got to the rookies and I was like Jesus <laughs> I was like you're five episodes in and you're already like killing off a clone in that sort of way um, yeah brilliant episode right, so my top five is similar I've got three the same and two different mm-hmm. so I've got Rex number one five's number two Mm-hmm. Um, for all the same reasons that you said, I mean Rex is just he just he's the goat at the end of the day. I mean Rex made it. Into, I'm pretty sure Rex made it into one of my top five like characters from last week. Um, yeah, you know amongst the likes of like Han Solo and stuff. So you know Rex is up there. He's the boy mm-hmm. fives for all the reasons we've just said. Number three, I went for Cody. Mm. Um, nice. I, th- I just think for the simple reason that he's Obi-Wan Kenobi's boy. Yeah. And Obi-Wan's a goat. And for that reason, Cody deserves <laughs> the recognition. But also there's a lot of interesting episodes with Cody. His relationship with Rex is interesting. Um, 
And obviously sort of seeing Cody then sort of take that shot on Obi-Wan and Revenge of Sith makes his sort of whole character arc even more tragic because you see that really close relationship that he builds and then eventually has to betray. Um, number four for me was Heavy for all the reasons we were just talking about, you know, heavy sacrifice is legendary. He's done dirty by the world, but you know, to the audience, he lives on in our hearts. Mm-hmm. And then number five is a bit of a rogue one. I went for hard case. Oh, so a hard case. He's a five of first member. Um, his big moment was in the darkness on Umbara arc where he sacrifices himself for his brother's, it's a bit of a theme of clones that, you know, are really popular among fans, but Hardcase is another one who does a great sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just quite liked Hardcase, you know, he was a bit different, a little bit out there, but ultimately he's a good, he was a good brother. He was. I see. Yeah. That's my top five. It was difficult yeah. because there's so many clones, yeah. you know, there's Jesse echo. Um, I see, you know, the ones that you said that I didn't have, um, I felt bad not getting Echo on there, but you know, Echo's part of the bad batch now, so he's gonna get plenty of attention. Mm, yeah, he will. But yeah. Okay, so that's pretty much that's pretty much everything. We've we've talked about clones for a good length of time now. <laughs> yeah, a deep dive indeed. A deep, deep dive into clones. So that's sort of the, the first of two parts of our uh, journey to the bad batch sort of episodes. Um Next week, we will be just talking for, you know, a good hour about the Bad Batch, what we already know about them from their sort of introduction in Clone Wars Season 7, uh, to talking about, you know, the trailers, what's getting us excited for Bad Batch the following week. So that should be a good, fun episode. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't rewatched that Bad Batch arc since it first came out, so I'm going to be looking forward to a little rewatch there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to going back and I might probably rewatch the whole of season seven to be honest, but I'm looking forward to going back and rewatching that arc and then having a look on on the web and see what more information we can find out before next week. Obviously I'll rewatch probably rewatch the trailer as well, see what I can demo from that. But I definitely think uh Bad Batch is gonna be talked about. I think this is one of the shows where like the hype's really big within like Star Wars and Clone Wars fans but outside of that it's not like Mandalorian where sort of like sort of the more general fan base is hyped about it it's a little bit more niche but I have a feeling it's going to be one of these shows that will crack the crack into the the mainstream a little bit when you know a couple episodes drop I've got high hopes for it yeah me too it should be good right so that's episode three um we we do now have social media pages so do follow us. We're on Twitter at Vader's Castle Pod, and we're on Instagram at Live from Vader's Castle. Um, so do give us a follow. Um, we've been sort of anything Star Wars related. We'll be talking about. Um, I've been doing little book reviews on the Instagram as well because um, I've been reading a lot of Star Wars books at the moment. Um, so yeah, give us a follow. Send us messages if you have anything you want to talk about and um we'll see you next week for episode four yeah see you later have a nice week guys thank you for listening yeah cheers for listening bye